We've been looking recently at the Lord's Prayer, which is found in Matthew uh, chapter 6 and in Luke chapter 11. And for the purpose of today, actually, if you, if you want to just have a look at that, then go to, go to Matthew, so Matthew chapter 6. Uh, so far, we've seen that when we pray, we need to approach God authentically and with humility. Not seeing prayer as a formula to get God to perform for us. And not seeing it as a way to gain status or approval. Jesus highlights that the starting point for all our prayer is actually all about God, the Father. About his name, about his purposes, about his will, and about our relationship with him and how that works. Relationship, fellowship with the Father. It it may seem to some presumptuous for me to say that I know Jesus. I'm not talking about I know about Jesus. I know Jesus. I had a chat with him this morning. Now, even to some Christians, that seems a little odd. How, how can you assume to know God? And yet that is exactly what Jesus is saying through this prayer. That not only Jesus is accessible to us in a relationship, but so is the Father, God Almighty. And I just want to encourage you, this is a side step from this message today, but do you know him? Do you know him? And what I mean by that is, do you have conversations with him? Do you make time to talk to him and to listen to him? Do you you experience the closeness and the warmth of his presence in your life? If... If we can't get our prayers in the right proportion in terms of recognising who he is and and then in light of that who we are, then everything else we do loses value, it loses effect. If we're just spouting at the air, please do this for me, what's the purpose in that? But we're not, we're talking to a heavenly father. This person here, does anyone know who that is? Well, that, that's Willy Wonka, yes, absolutely. So we've got, we've got Willy Wonka there. And who's that? This is Veruca Salt. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with the Rondell books, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but this is, this is Veruca Salt. I mean, what a lovely name. Now, Veruca Salt, if you re- remember the books or the films, Veruca Salt was a greedy, demanding, manipulative, spoiled, stingy little brat of a girl. And she's one of the main four antagonists in the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory story. Uh, she demands everything that she wants. And so when she gets to the factory with her father, she sees things that she doesn't have. She doesn't even know what they are. And she's like, I want that, I must have that, give that to me. A selfish little rotten brat, <laughs> who's, uh, she's a fictional character, um, who's demanding, who shows her wealthy family no mercy and has absolutely no regard for other people's property. Veruca frequently pesters her parents to purchase a variety of objects for her. But when she interferes with the trained squirrels. Of course there are trained squirrels. When she interferes with the trained squirrels used by Willy Wonka to select the best quality nuts uh, to bake in the chocolate bars, she is judged by the squirrels to be a bad nut. 
<laughs> and these squirrels get hold of Veruca's soul and they take her and, and they drop her down the garbage chute, down the, the, the rubbish chute. And you hear her screaming all the way down and her father panics. Oh my darling, Veronica, what can, Veruca, what can I do? And dives in after her. And you hear him screaming all the way down. <laughs> It's okay, because they survive the fall, okay? This is, please, like, this is a children's story. <laughs> you know, they, they, there was nothing at the bottom that was untoward. They, they survived, they walked away, a little covered in filth, banana skins and bits and pieces. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she was saying, I want it all. I want it now. Yeah. It is my right. I deserve it. You must give it to me. Yeah. It sounds like the, the song by the band Queen that actually said exactly the same thing. I want it all, and I want it now. And that, in a nutshell, is society. I want it. It's my right. My happiness is my priority. I'm going to chase that with all of my heart. To heck with anybody that gets in the way of that. Because if you get in the way of me pursuing my happiness, then that makes you a what? It makes you a hater. That's the language. That makes you a hater. And the hater's going to hate, 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 hate. <laughs> it's the, the L'Oreal thing, isn't it? Because you're worth it. <laughs> because I'm worth it. <laughs> give me. Give me. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors, or forgive us our trespasses, or forgive us our sins, whatever has impact on you there. On the surface, perhaps these prayers can seem a little bit selfish. Give me, forgive me. A little bit like Veruca Salt demanding, gimme, 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 and forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. It can seem to be very sort of now. I want to have a guilt-free life now. I want a life of provision and plenty now. Here's the thing. When we go and we name things, and when we go and we claim things, we're claiming it for the kingdom. And that's what Ron was saying the other week. We're claiming it for the kingdom. We're not naming and claiming things because we want them. We're naming and claiming things, not in a prosperity way. We're not trying to get rich. I'm not in this business to get rich. If I am, I joined the wrong church. (laughs) Not that you were impoverished or anything like that. Don't get me wrong, I'm not insulting you. Um, I'm not in this to get rich. And so when I'm naming something and praying that into being, I'm praying it because I believe that lines up with God's will and his heart for his kingdom. So is it right or wrong to pray for ourselves? It's a difficult one, isn't it? Some of us will have no problem praying for ourselves. In fact, we'll do it 20 times on the way to work in the car. Please, I pray that my boss will be nice to me when I don't have my assignment in or whatever. You know, I pray that this will work for me. You know, we might pray for ourselves a lot, but some of us will find it very difficult to pray for ourselves and we'll pray for everyone and everything else but ignore asking God on our own account. Here's the thing. Jesus tells us to love our enemies as we love ourselves. Now how can you love your enemy then if you don't love yourself? So if you've been avoiding asking God for things for yourself, change that today. Go and ask him. Go and ask him. 
but, but just be aware. Am I, am I being a child of God asking for the heart of the Father to be outworked in my life? Or am I being a Veruca Salt demanding, I want this and I want it now? But if you don't look after yourself, what benefit are you going to be to somebody else? If you're always the Eeyore character, how are you going to lift someone else's spirits? You know? If, if you're the kind of person that always sees things as hopeless, how are you going to bring hope into a dying world? If you're a grumpy grout, you know, how, how are you going to bring joy and happiness into somebody's life? Because everything you do is like a cake. You get out what you put in. And if you put negativity into life, that's exactly what you get back. What we're about to see is that these requests, there's a deeper purpose in these two requests uh, than simply our own blessing and forgiveness. And that for every request here that is granted, there's an onward motion expected of us. There's a a responsibility, there's an outworking that that follows this. I'm going to preach this, but just bear with me a second, because here it is. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as, as, as we have forgiven those who sin against us, as we forgive our debtors. So I forgive because you've forgiven. This comes first, then I do that. It works out the same way with the give. You've given, so I give. Mm-hmm. And that's really the crux of the message today. Give us this day daily bread. This is not about storing up treasure for yourself on earth it's not about hoarding possessions it's not about getting to the top of your salary grade it's not about upgrading constantly your your house or your car or your phone that's not what this is about i'm not saying that's wrong it's not wrong to get a new car it's not wrong to move into a nicer house but but don't make that that give us this day our daily bread prayer it's not about stockpiling for comfort or pleasure or status In fact, Jesus goes on to say in Matthew 6, verse 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and vermin cannot destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. He goes on to say, you can't serve two masters. You can't have, I want it all, I want it all, and I want it now. And, Father, (laughs) I love you. I'm here for you. The two things don't work. They're they're incompatible. And it's not about us being gratified. It's about him being glorified. If this is the case, which it is, why ask a father for daily bread have you ever thought about that I never went hungry there were times where the food was disgusting but I never went hungry and I never had to ask for it I never had to say mum please give me some food today now I'm not belittling the fact that probably does happen but I never had that experience I never had to ask my mum to give me food because it was, it was a given. It was a parental responsibility. So why does Jesus, who knows everything, say to us, 
Ask the Father for your daily bread. If God, as he said already, is a good father, if you ask him for some bread, he's not going to give you a rock. So why, why do we need to ask a heavenly father who already knows our needs? And Matthew 6.31 says, So don't worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans, they run after those things. And your heavenly father knows what you need. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. It seems a bit contradictory. Don't chase these things. Don't worry about them. Don't stress about them. Don't go asking about them, because seek his kingdom first. Seek who he is first, and then everything else will line up. So why ask? To grasp. The whole fullness of give us this day our daily bread. To grasp that wholly will ensure that we know where our provision comes from. That's why we ask. Because you might feel like you've, you've worked your, your backside off through the years to get good at your job, to get your wage better, to push things up, to make your quality of life better, to provide for your wife and your kids and make sure they have an inheritance that can set them up well in life. But every good gift comes from the Father. Everything you've earned is by his grace. Everything that you've made, the energy that you have put into earning that money the skill that you have learned is still a gift of God. The fact that you've had time to sit and become skillful at something is because God has given you time and breath to do that. So give us this day our daily bread isn't saying, God, just in case you've forgotten, do you mind helping me out down here, please? It's saying, God, I recognise that when I am fed today, that it's come from your hand. And the eternal purpose is this, that we learn that God the Father is the giver of all good things. We, we learn that our entire reliance and dependence depends upon him. It's not so much about asking for what we need, but we do still need to ask. But it's all about recognising. He's not your boss. He's not your spouse. He's not your best mate. And he's not... Your earthly parents, he's better than all of that because he's God. Thank you, Lord. And the onward motion, the outworking in our lives is this that freely we have received, freely we give. In in our values, it says that we, we are a generous people. Now, I'm not setting this up to talk about finances here. I believe that's part of it, because you can't serve God and money. If you want to know how serious you are about God, look at at your account. I'm serious. I'm not saying that to get rich myself. I'm quite happy the way things are. Okay? (coughs) But it's, it's more than that. It's more than that. To reflect the generous heart is to reflect the heart of God. And what that does is it says this, I've spent time in his presence and his... His character has rubbed off on me. And isn't that the the ambition and the destiny of our lives? To become more like Jesus. To become more like him. And so when we're talking about generosity, not talking about, hey guys, 
give us more tithes here. <laughs> not talking about that. In fact, if you think it's about that, tithe into another church. Seriously, carry on going here, tithe into another church. If you think that, that's what I'm saying this morning. But make sure you're doing something. Make sure you're giving something. Make sure you're being generous. Make sure you hold your finances loosely because God gave them to you. And I promise you, God honours obedience. He honours when we get hold of his character and we get hold of that so much so that we're not just going, wow, God, you're so generous. But we're going, wow, God, you're so generous, so I'm just going to go out there and be hilariously generous myself. It makes no sense to the world. It's ludicrous. It's bonkers. But it's the heart of God. Generosity is the hallmark of a loving and powerful God. And consequently, it's the hallmark of one who is changed by Jesus. And then this. I want you to notice something here. This is really important. Jesus didn't waste a word. He didn't put a word out of place. Everything was thought through, prayed through, and came from the Father. And Jesus put, give us this day our daily bread, before, forgive us our sin. That may not seem groundbreaking to you right at this moment. Let's just pause here a second. Because what I want is for somebody to sort their behaviour out and come to church. I want to see the evidence that somebody's been transformed and then maybe I feel like I can, I can give into their life or I can support them or I can love them. Jesus flips that around and he says, actually, you've got a God who's going to provide for you and then going to forgive you. So many times through history, the church has got this, the flip side round, beg for God's forgiveness first. And then once you've done that, you're in the club and now you can come and ask for things. Mm. Now you can be one of us. But your behaviour better match up. It's the other way round. It's the other way round. Come and have our soup. Come and have our bread. Come and share in the the central heating that we have in this building. Come and partake in the the fellowship, the joy, the, the heart that we have together, the laughter, the friendship. Come and share all of that. Even if you're going to swear at us. Even if you're going to come and you're going to take massive advantage. Even if you're going to nick toilet rolls on your way out and like pack them into your bag and run off with them. Come, take them. Take them. You know that scene from Les Miserables where the, the guy, like, he, he does a runner on the priest and he takes all his silverware and he's caught and the police take him back to the priest's house and say, is this yours? And he says, yes, it's mine. Did this man steal it from you? No, I gave it to him. And the guy is there going... What? What? That is amazing grace. It's amazing grace. You know, to pray forgive us is the antithesis of self-righteousness. In other words, it's the unwrapping. It's the undoing of self-righteousness. I can't be self-righteous and say, forgive me. Because if I'm self-righteous, I don't believe there's anything to forgive. And you don't have to be a religious person to be self-righteous. I've spoken to many atheists who are like, I've not done anything wrong in my life. I've lived a good life. I'm a good person. And hey, they are, by human standards. Probably they are. But, but to come to God and say, forgive me, means I recognise I'm a sinner. I recognise that there's nothing in my own behaviour that deserves merit. Nothing that I have done or can do to be righteous. Forgive me. Because if you don't, I have no hope. 
Forgive me, Lord, because if you don't do this, I'm dead. John Knox said, give me Scotland or I die, famously. Actually, rewind that a bit, and before you get to that point, you have to say, give me forgiveness, or I'm already dead. You can't pray that unless you believe yourself to have sinned. Mr. Mark, being at fault. But we must pray it. And in reality, this is the very centre of the good news of the kingdom. You, you can't do it. You can't fulfil the law. You can't stay within the safe boundaries of God's protective fence. Because your heart is corrupted by the fall. Don't be offended. Just look around. My heart is corrupted by the fall. The flesh. Sin. We are lost in rebellion and self-absorption. Our default is always to put ourselves first and to pursue our own desires regardless of God's desires or other people's desires. And this sin needs to be dealt with and forgiven if we're able to stand in front of the Father and call him dead. It needs to be dealt with. That sounds like bad news. It doesn't sound like good news. Because I'm saying to you, you're a sinner. I'm saying to you, you're messed up. I'm saying to you that you will still mess up. That you will still get it wrong. That you will still offend people. That you will still offend God. It sounds like bad news. But unless you grasp a hold of the bad news, the good news doesn't become so sweet. Because the good news is that God knows that. And he knows there's nothing that you can do. Not one thing that you can do to change any of that except fall at his feet and say, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. To deal with our sin, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. In the same way that generosity has to flow from God's generosity out of us. So is forgiveness. And this is the hardest part. Because I can confront the fact that I'm a sinner. I can confront the fact that I can't make myself good. And I can fall on my knees before God and say, I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me. Forgive me. But what I find harder than that is to say, I forgive that person for what they did to me. Why should I forgive them? I mean, Lord, for goodness sake, they're still doing the thing that hurt me. Why should I forgive them? They're not changing. They're not treating me any differently. They're still cussing me. They're still going around, slagging me off behind my back. They're still saying horrible gossips about me. They're still torturing me. They're still beating me. They're still uh, belittling me. They're still ignoring me. Why should I forgive them? They haven't changed. Because... And this is probably the harshest thing I'll I'll ever sound like I say. But we can't expect to go to God for our own forgiveness. If we close the door right there and say, that's it, I'm going to take that from you, God, but I'm not going to pass that forward. It doesn't work that way. Listen, if that's you, there's a logjam in your relationship with God. If, If you can't forgive, then 
somewhere along this line between him forgiving you and you out working, there's a blockage somewhere. Now, it might be that you're hurt so badly that you need deep ministry to get past that. And it, it may be that actually you're, you feel that you're so awful, so bad, that you can't possibly accept God's forgiveness for you. And if that's the case, if you hate yourself, you're going to really struggle to forgive everyone else. How can you love people if you can't love yourself? It sounds arrogant, but God loves you. And, and to stand in front of him and to say, no, no, I don't believe that. It's to say, it's actually to say, God, I actually can't accept anything that you're saying. Because really, that's the, that's the heart. And that, that's, the, that's the entrance point for everything. To know that God loves you. That he sees you as precious. You are a child of God. You are chosen. You are, you are priceless to him. You, you are worth so much. And he takes his son and puts him on the cross. So that with his death you could die and be raised to life again. Now I have not had children. But if I had, there's no way that even for one of you I'd want to see that kid die. Not for one of you. And I love you. But God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Thank you, Lord. Please, forgive me guys, I'm not trying to hype this up. I'm really not, I'm not trying to generate emotion in the room or anything like that. Because I'm an idiot, I'm a chump, I'm a sinner. I've done horrendous things in my life. Horrendous things. And and I've done horrendous things since I've been a believer, and I've done horrendous things since I've been a pastor. I'm not talking about things that the world would judge me for, but attitudes of the heart. But I stand in front of a God who's ridiculously generous, Amen. recklessly loving. Yeah. People don't like that song that talks about the reckless love of God. It offends them. Christians I'm talking about, it offends them. God's not reckless. God knows everything that he's doing. Yes, but he is reckless in a good way. He gave his only son. He gave his son that you can have life. That's reckless. Everything in my bank account, effectively, everything I have so that you can have life, that's reckless. Because he's taken a risk there because there's a risk that you're going to walk away and go, suck it, I don't need that, I don't want you. That's the risk. That's reckless. Jesus says, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your heavenly Father may forgive you your sins. I'm not going to over-theologize this, but listen. If you stand in front of God, and you're praying, and you're holding something against somebody else, resolve it. Resolve it. Because Jesus says, if you don't, you are not going to be forgiven yourself. That seems... Just almost cruel. But it's not. Our withholding forgiveness is the cruelty. But if you forgive people, God forgives you. The principle is this. 
Children of God reflect the Father's heart and they mirror his behaviour. Give us this day we reflect God's generosity by being a generous people ourselves. Forgive us our sins. We reflect God's heart of mercy by being forgiving people ourselves. If we're flat refusing to forgive or to be generous, then we are trampling over the Father's kindness and mercy and generosity. We're saying to him, I'll take this from you, but I will not do the same. Because God, you know what? I think I know better. Be careful. Be careful. If we get more concerned about protecting our own rights rather than exercising our responsibilities, we, in effect, become the Veruca Salts of this world. It's all about me. Give me what is owed. Give me what I deserve, God. Listen, if God gave us what was owed and what we deserve, we wouldn't wake up tomorrow morning. You wouldn't even make it to the end of the day today. And there would be no joy set before us. Tim Keller says this, a Christian is more flawed and sinful than you'd even dare believe. And yet, more loved and accepted than you'd ever dare hope at the same moment. How wonderful is that? You, you are more sinful, more debased, more fleshly than you could even, even begin to imagine. And yet at the same time, you're completely loved and accepted and welcomed in. How strange but wonderful that is. Do you want God? I'm wrapping this up. Do you want God? Do you want to know him? Are your prayers about you being satisfied or about him being glorified? Are you seeking his kingdom first? Are you looking to know the king before to know, you, you, you look to know the handouts from the king? Are you seeking his face or are you seeking his hands? And I'll leave you with this chorus from a, an artist called Natalie Grant. And may this be our prayer. Help me want the healer more than the healing. Help me want the saviour more than the saving. Help me want the giver more than the giving. Oh, help me want you, Jesus, more than anything. Let's bow our heads.